Hello there. So the Hunger Games Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes is out now. I'm sure many of you have already seen it, of course, yeah, when it came out yesterday and Thursday for his showings as well. I'm running a bit behind. I'm wrapping up my Hunger Games um, review series with Mockingjay Part 1 and 2 uh, today. So I, I tried to get this done before the film came out, but, you know, just ran out of time as well. I was about running a bit late last week. I was a bit late seeing the Marvels as well last week, so I was a couple of days late with that. So apologies that this is kind of late, and but there you go. It is what it is. So uh, so what I'm doing with uh, Mockingjay Part 1 and 2, I'm just doing this as like a two-for-one review. It was the final book, was split into two films. So, you know, just because of time and everything like that, I'll just do my thoughts on them just as what as one in the one recording if that makes sense so these were the, this was the first time i've actually the whole series in fact is the first time i've watched this since 2015 because i did i watched all of them again in the in the build up to mockingjay part two coming out so this was actually the first time i watched mockingjay part two since the first when since it came out what this rewatch uh, little review series has done it's always interesting to do this sometimes years after the fact it has actually re-evaluate re my order on the films because to, be, to begin with, I first thought one and two were pretty much neck and neck. But what I would say is one still really holds up very, very well, but two is definitely better, I would say. Just that's what the rewatch and rewatching them in close proximity to each other, I would say part two is actually definitely the superior of the films. So even, not by much, just by a little small margin, but I do think it is a little bit superior and is my favourite of the franchise. Now, my thoughts over the years had always been I preferred part two of Mockingjay to part one, but weirdly enough, doing this rewatch, I flip-flopped that. Part one's better than I remember it being, and part two is actually worse than I remember it being, if that makes sense. Now, what I'm going to say straight out the gate here is they're both good films, both part one and two. I like them, but they are a long way behind the quality of the first two. I, th I think they were a bit of a letdown. And I know um, Francis Lawrence has said, in hindsight, he'd rather have just done one movie, just split a lot of that. And that will piss off a lot of the fan base, I know, because the, this I, think, I feel while parts one and two made the both the... As I mentioned in my review of part one of the first film, is what the first film done was not only did it please the hardcore fans... But it pleased the general audience, and that's why it was so successful. Like myself, I came into it not knowing much about it, ended up really liking it. Like the second one, even better. So it had the broader appeal. And what you can actually see in Mockingjay Part One and Two, the way it goes, it becomes a bit nicher in that sense, or nicher, I should say, whatever way you pronounce it. Okay, you can actually see in the box office they tailed off quite a bit on these films. Which is which is I'll, I'll come to in a, in, a, in a moment as well. So with part one, right? I'll say one thing. I, I don't remember part one's actually less than two hours, and that includes credits as well. So that it actually isn't as fillery as I I used to have this sort of thought that that one was all filler, but it actually isn't. Uh, there's a bit of filler stuff in it, but overall it's pretty enjoyable. Again, a long way from the quality of the first two films, but you know. The it's still good, you know. It's still worth a, a rewatch again. And actually, I liked it better rewatching it this week than I remembered liking it a few years back. So there you go. That's a good thing. And you know, there's one bit that's quite funny though. You know, you've got uh, Peter's uh, under control. Uh, he's like doing his propaganda message with uh, with Caesar Flickerman and that. But then he bre breaks it and he he starts he starts shouting. 
it's a trap. They're going to bomb District 13 or that. Get out. And it was like that. They're going to kill you. And then the, the, the feed cuts off. And then Hamish just says, he's given us a warning. It's like, no, do you think? <laughs> it's just like, just, um, just putting that little bit of line of dialogue as if as if we couldn't notice that ourselves, that he was warning us. <laughs> but uh, I, I just thought that was funny. Don't know why. But there you go. But yeah, there's some good little action moments in there as well. Fun little moment when Prim goes to save the cat as well. <laughs> the cat's kind of a, men- a nemesis of Katniss. Strange enough, as she's got the word cat in her name, but it's not spelt that way. I don't know if that's actually made, actually what Suzanne Collins meant with that as a little sort of thing. I, I really don't know. But there you go. So that was a fun little thing. You know what? This film's fine. It's entertaining. It's yeah, but here's my thing. You kind of think, okay, maybe you've kind of got the fillery stuff out of the way, but part two is going to be all killer. To be honest, it's a funny one because I found part. This is only the second time I've ever watched part two, and I still think it's quite good. But I do think it's a bit of a slog to get through in parts. Um, there's some slow moments in this. There's times when it just really feels like it's going through the motions a lot, and then. But then it's some great stuff. I will say this, the final, like, 40 minutes of the film's actually excellent. It's really good. To me, I think there's a lot that could have been cut from this. And there's stuff that could have been cut from part one, and you maybe could have just made one mega three-hour all-killer finish to this. But then again, that's me from a casual cinema viewer standpoint saying that. A lot of hardcore fans would probably get pissed off at that. And of course... It's leaving money on the table because, you know, you got 600 odd million for part one, you got 600 odd million for part two. So, you know, you you know, that is what it is. I, I can see where Francis Lawrence is coming from when he says that. And, and that's always kind of was my fault. But then again, um, I'm not one of the hardcore, hardcore fans who would want two films to get everything, in, uh, you know. So I can see it's a double-edged sword, but they, from a business standpoint, they made the right decision because obviously they made a lot of money off two films. But I will come to this. You can actually see that the box office did dr- uh, drop off, you know, significantly, but we'll get there. I'll finish up talking about this film, though. I do think the last 40 minutes is actually pretty great in this. You've got like, the, the bombing sequence, of course. It turns out, of course, you the tragedy of Prim dying, and then... Turns out, you know, President Coyne, by played play by Julian Moore, is, uh, is has been behind that was behind that to try and basically make something. She's actually, in many ways, sort of just as bad as Snow. In many ways, just she's more disingenuous about it, to be honest. Whereas Snow's kind of just a you kind of get see where you get. You know, he's an evil cunt. She's trying to be a manipulative evil bitch in that sense, which leads to the great scene when Katniss has the chance to kill Snow, but she kills Coin instead. I know, and uh, that actually is a great scene. It's really well staged and everything like that. And now, even not knowing what happened, I remember when seeing this for the first time. I think it's kind of obvious she's going to do it as well, but it's it's really well done. So those scenes were great. Uh, and so you know, so overall, Mockingjay's Part One and Two, they're they're it was interesting to reevaluate them again. They're good films, and, and to be fair, see if the first Hunger Games came out and was of the quality of these two films, I'd actually be quite happy. I'd be like, oh yeah, that's pretty good, not bad. But the problem was expectations had been raised so high because the first film exceeded all expectations. The second film was even better. And then you had this downward spiral in this sense. Now, when I say downward spiral, the films are still pretty good, but 
and it was in, it was fun to reevaluate them now in the build up to going to see ballads and songbirds and snakes. But I'd probably never watch these two again. Put it that way. That's the thing. There's a reason why I own the first two on DVD, but I never bought these two. <laughs> you know, that's that's just kind, of, and I haven't watched them since 2015. So there you go. It is what it is. So anyway. Just speaking of the box office, now this is an interesting point where I can see how it, how it didn't really collect as much for the general audience because I think Mockingjay Part 2 was the lowest grossing of all the films and that made like $600 million or something like that, which is huge, huge, especially as these films do not have major budgets, so massive profits for Lionsgate this would be. But the thing is, with that, I would say is you could see the audience was tapering off even in 2015. The Hunger Games is very popular with it. It's got a core fan base, still has a core loyal fan base. You can see that already. So that's why you people, anyone who sat there thinking that Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes was going to open to $100 million or anything like that, you were barking up the wrong tree. You, honestly, there, this, there was always going to be going to be a, a tail-off. It was natural it was going to happen. So from what I gather... It looks like Ballads is going to open between 44 and $46 million US this weekend, which on a $100 million budget, it's not too bad. You know, it's not a complete disaster. It's not brilliant, but it's not a complete disaster. It's it's not bad. You know, it could have been worse. That's what we could say with that there. So, and I, I remember when projections came in at first, the first, at the low end, they were at like $35 million, which I did have my worries. It was going to be in the 30s, which wouldn't have been so good but you know if it's there and depending on how it does worldwide it probably needs to make if you go by the two and a half the two and a half times its budget ratio for profit 250 million dollars it might get there it might it depends on the international as well and how it holds up next week going into thanksgiving as well hopefully it has a good hold going into that so 250 million dollars is kind of the magic number if it gets there then it's got a chance. It should ho hopefully do okay with that there. But it's not a complete megabucks bomb or anything like that. Even if it doesn't quite get the money back theatrically, there'll be other tie-ins and things where it can get the money back and still be profitable. There'll be DVDs and things coming out. There might be an extended DVD as well. With uh, Apparently there's like a 3 hour 40 minute cut as well. So there's still room for profit for that film. It's all... It's but the point being is, even if, say, instead of writing a prequel, Suzanne Collins wrote a sequel to, like, Peter and um, Katniss's life after Mockingjay Part 2, that would have fell off as well. I don't think it would have. It might have maybe would have done a bit more, you know, if you brought the originals back. But, you know, maybe done like 65 tops domestic, I would have said. It wouldn't have it, the The popularity of that series... And, and major pop culture has sort of been and gone and it already was kind of been and gone by the time 2015 came if you know what I mean and those numbers kind of do suggest that so that's what for all those people who are going to say yeah you two think I made it flop it's just like nobody ever thinks about things like that do they it's always just the first sensational clickbait headline they all go for but you know hopefully you can see where I'm coming from when I say that there so, uh, and of course, you know, a lot of people didn't actually even know that the, the prequel novel had came out back in 2020, came out during the lockdowns and everything like that. A lot of people didn't even know that this is this even exists. And a, lo a lot of the general audience view might be, I don't really care how President Snow did when he was younger. I'm not interested. So that could be a thing going against it. So, you know, this film opening in the 44 to $46 million range where it looks like it's going to land up, 
it's pretty damn good. It's not not too bad at all. Not too shabby. So you know, yeah, it is what it is. That's just my little thoughts there on that. So that's me uh, rounding up the Hunger uh, Games review series. And uh, oh, and one other little point I've got to make from Mockingjay Part One. You know, you've got the moment when like Katniss sings the the Hanging Tree, which is kind of something I'd kind of forgotten about. But now, having heard Rachel's version, it's like. Oh, it was weird hearing that now after hearing Rachel's version. It's kind of unfair because Jennifer Lawrence, to my knowledge, isn't a singer or anything like that. She's actually fine doing it. But then you hear Rachel and it's just it's kind of unfair because Rachel's just got the voice of an absolute nightingale. <laughs> it's unfair to uh, compare it. Can you just imagine her going to a karaoke? Everyone else is like drunkenly singing. Then she comes up and sings and it'd be just like, yeah, we're all going home now. We we can't follow that. But, you know, it was kind of a thought. And I just remember that because I remember when the, the Hanging Tree came out about two, three weeks ago, or three, four weeks ago, whenever it was, on Spotify, there was people on Twitter saying things like, huh, Jennifer Lawrence's version is better. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're entitled to your opinion, but come on. <laughs> I mean, really, are we really going to go there? Okay, whatever. That's not meant as a diss against Jennifer Lawrence just to be clear there, who seems very nice and actually did send supportive messages to the cast as well when they were about to start filming. So, class act. Thumbs up for her. So anyway, speaking of Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes, I'll be hopefully seeing it on Monday. You know, I've been uh, working night shifts as well, yesterday and tonight as well. So, Monday, hopefully, first proper full day to myself, I'll be able to watch it then. And uh, I'll get my review out on Tuesday for it. From what I'm hearing, though, all the fans seem to love it. You know, it's got the highest Rotten Tomato score for audience scores, 92% at the moment, or 91, something like that, but it's really high. Seeing nothing but great things from the fans. Everyone, like, falling over themselves. Split with Tom Blythe getting great notices. And, of course, um, uh, all the fans absolutely gushing about Rachel. Apparently, she absolutely kills it. Can't wait to see her in it. So, ah, here we go. That's that, then. So, thanks ever so much for taking the time to listen, and goodbye.